Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up on a Thursday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. We got an awesome guest today, Laquan Treadwell. You may have remembered him. He's uh, still uh, kind of plugging along in the NFL. Uh, just on with the Seattle Seahawks practice squad. We talked a lot about his old miss days, his path in the NFL, and uh, you know his new uh, partnership with uh, my buddy Michael Portner. It's how we got him on the show. For full disclosure, signed with uh, Delta Sports Group. So pretty fired up about that. Really good conversation. Uh, Laquan's really thoughtful guy. He gave some uh, great answers to a lot of stuff. I thought so. Um, before we get to that, though, wanted to remind you. Podcast brought to you by Ray Stevens of Square Real Estate. Ray is a licensed real estate agent based in the Oxford area. Whether you're trying to buy or sell a home, whether it's a two-bedroom condo or a five-bedroom dream house, he can help you do that. He takes pride in providing individualized service to each and every one of his clients. He's going to listen to your needs, your budget, and provide you with some awesome options to get you in a home that you will cherish forever. Maybe it's your getaway home. Uh, real estate's hot in Oxford. Football team's good. No better time to have your own place up here. Avoid the hassle of overpriced hotel rooms, trying to find friends' places to stay at. Just get your own place. You can come up for baseball and basketball season two. Boom, it's your own. Don't have to deal with landlords. Nothing like that. You should check them out. Ray Stevens, whether you're selling a home too. He can help you with that process, a lot of logistics that go into that. He will make it easier. I wouldn't send you to people I don't trust. Check him out. Ray Stevens of Square Real Estate. All you have to do is tell him, that I sent you, give him a call at 601-624-4824, and he will initiate the process for you. And boom, all before you know it, you'll have an awesome house in and around Oxford, Mississippi. Check him out, 601-624-4824. Broker number is 662-832-7777. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, my voice cracked. Glad you asked. The world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Absolutely historic year for Skybox and Skybox NASCAR. You might be thinking, why do I care about NASCAR? Well, uh, how about profiting 200 units in a season that's still going? That's right. An absolutely unreal run by Mark Harris and the guys at Skybox NASCAR over there. They're also crushing it at over 60% in the NFL and college plays. Need to check them out. Stop paying the bookie. Sign up for Skybox. Go online. Find a picks package, your preferred sport, your preferred length, your preferred price range, whatever it may be. Sign up. Use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E. That'll get you 20% off. They're going to send you picks in a nice organized spreadsheet by unit, color-coded, and boom. All of a sudden, you're way better set to profit off the man than you were five minutes before. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. You know the deal. Go see Greg. Rippy writes. Uh, if you're a Rippy Rights newsletter subscriber, that's rippyrights.substack.com. You get a free newsletter from me a couple times a week and discounted meats. Right now, it's a 16 ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a five dollar pack of sausage. Then go find your own favorites at LB's. Oxford's so lucky to have a meat market like LB's. All kinds of delicious stuff there. Throw something on the grill. Enjoy the football this weekend. Check them out. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, here is Laquan Treadwell. All right, we now welcome on a really awesome guest, potentially the most famous person to ever come on this podcast. It is Ole Miss legend Laquan Treadwell. I really appreciate you doing this, man. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I can't complain at all. I'm feeling good. Body's feeling good. You know, life is good. Uh, working hard and just uh, constantly moving forward in life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you are also the newest, uh, you know, newly repped by um, Delta Sports Group, My Michael Portner. Michael's my best friend. Um, so that's how we kind of made this connection, which is awesome. I'm very happy for both of you. You're in Seattle, yeah. right? Recently signed, still kind of getting adjusted to the Pacific Northwest. How's everything been going? Uh, it's going pretty well. Um, actually, my wife, my wife and uh, her family's from here. Uh, so uh, I adjusted really well. Um, yeah. So uh, when I got when I when I got the call from Seattle Seahawks. Uh, it was it was really 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 peaceful because my son was already here for with his uh, with his grandmother uh, going to trick or treat for Halloween. Uh, so when I got the call, it was just perfect. We both me and my wife flew here and uh, <laughs> we met up with uh, my son after I worked out and made the team. So it was pretty cool. That's awesome. Kind of a homecoming of sorts. I didn't know your wife's family. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm glad that. Uh, yeah. Glad that worked out the way it did. You know, we'll talk some old Miss stuff in a second, but I guess we'll kind of start there. When you were go in for like a workout, 
for an NFL club, whether it be preseason or in season, what does that actually consist of? Like I always see on the bottom ticker, whether it's Schefter or whomever, like <laughs> so-and-so has worked out with X team. What does that actually look like and what do you do? Oh, well, first and foremost, they fly you out um, usually on a Monday because it's the players kind of like off day before the off day. Uh, you would work out Tuesday morning. Um, based on how the workout goes, you either sign to the to the practice squad or the active roster, depending on, you know, whatever the team uh, situation may be at the position. Um, so I'll, uh, this, this uh, most recent workout, I, I flew in on a, on a Monday, um, slept, slept at night, woke up Tuesday morning, worked out when I did my physical, um, completed the physical, passed the physical, uh, had a pretty good workout which solidified me a spot on the practice squad. And then that next Wednesday, you go practice with the team and you try to pick up on the offenses from, you know, from where the offense is on that standpoint and try to learn as much as you can and, and pick up on the terminology and the language. And hopefully you can connect with a team and like, you know, like basically uh, fit well with the team for them to keep you around or actually sign you to the active roster. And um, you go from there. Awesome. And that's an interesting piece of it that I don't think maybe some people think about. You mentioned going yeah. to practice, trying to get a handle on the playbook. And you've seen examples of this with the last couple of weeks. Like I was watching Chase Claypool on Sunday with the Bears. He's like, you know, a few days from, you know, joining them in a trade. You had McCaffrey go to San Francisco on like a Thursday. Yeah. And he plays that Sunday. How difficult yeah. is it to try to grasp a playbook in a short amount of time? And like what kind of goes into that? Are you just studying extra? What is that like? I imagine there's like, some overlap, right? NFL, a little bit of a copycat league, but it's probably terminology and stuff. What what goes into that? What is that like? I will say it is a difference between different players. You know, if a guy is signed to their active roster, they have a little more, uh, a little more uh, push behind to getting them on the field early on. You know, when a guy is signed to the practice squad, it's more like of a, you know, prove yourself, work day to day, try to pick up as, as much as you can, just from my perspective, as much as you can show the coaches and also just going out there competing making plays you know that 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 always you know open guys eyes when, when you when you show up to the team and you make a play so I always pride myself on that and every team that I've been on I always showed up and made plays you know the situation may not fell in my favor but I've always you know put a best foot forward and on, on every team that I could and just try to build as many relationships as I could but if I was to sign so say if they brought me in and signed me to the active roster most teams usually give you a, a, a script a script amount of plays you know, that you can study, that you'll know that you'll be in on. And then you get a lot of walkthroughs. You get a lot of, you know, team reps with the, with the starters, with the ones. And so um, that's one of the differences between walking in and being brought traded or, or you know, once you're traded, you know, they, they're trading to get you on the field. They're not trading to evaluate you in a sense, uh, such as like practice squad. So um, with me, uh, a lot of my situation has been like, uh, you know, having a year in Jacksonville that I had, and then just been bouncing around and trying to find the right fit for me, you know, at this standpoint in my career, you know, went to Boston, went to New England, worked out really well, um, was there for a month, you know, ended up getting practice squad player of the week, you know, got a lot of recognition from Coach Belichick. And, uh, you know, that kind of, you know, made me feel a, made me feel good about the way I was approaching the game or the way I was approaching the team. And um, unfortunately, it didn't work out there. Then I ended up in Arizona. And um, had a couple good two weeks there, and then uh, D-Hop ended up coming back, and then they ended up signing Robbie Anderson. So that didn't work out for me due to just the, the, the amount of players that they already had on the active roster. And then coming here to Seattle, you know, uh, uh, playing for my former coach that was in Jacksonville last year, my receiver coach. You know, we had prior conversations in, um, in the free agency this year, and he tried to get me there then, but I had already, you know, gave Jacksonville my word that I was go back and, you know, try to make it work there um, just just based off the prior relationship that I had with Trevor Lawrence and all the guys on the team, you know, it seemed like a great fit and that didn't work out for me. So I've just been bouncing around a lot, just trying to find the right fit, find the right team that, you know, see value in my talent and my potential and and and, and still believe, because I still believe in myself. I still believe I can play. And I think I showed that a little bit with the opportunity that I got last year at the end of the season with the 12 game stretch that I had. You know, putting up 400 yards, scoring a touchdown, beating a playoff team, like a lot of that, you know, I, I felt really involved in. I really felt a part of. And, you know, it just felt really good to be a part of a game plan going into a week-to-week -week basis. And it kind of led my talent flourish and show. So um, that practice squad is it's more like, uh, well, this situation is a little different because Coach Sanjay kind of know me, my receiver coach. Now he knows my game. He's kind of 
seen me play a little bit in Jacksonville, and, and we worked the, together that whole year last year. And um, you know, I was really, I took, really took a liking to his coaching style, and he really took a liking to my game. And so, uh, walking into this situation is just, just kind of like trying to confirm everything that he already seen in me, and just trying to build a great relationship with these guys that's on the team right now. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I know there's only so many of these jobs and you're happy to go anywhere um, and just be a part of the NFL, but the, you'd be hard pressed to find a team playing more exciting brand of football than Seattle right now. You know, they trade Russell Wilson, everything yeah. rebuild and it turns out it's like, actually you had something there with Gino and they're playing really good football. I imagine that just added another layer of excitement to it. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, coming to a team, you know, you hear a lot of great things about Seattle Seahawks and, um, and you, you just don't know what makes the dynamic so good. And then once I got here, you know, it was just the energy these guys bring, the passions to meetings. I mean, to to the field, to meetings, um, to to travel. I mean, we took I, I put to my first trip with the team, and, and just the energy that they keep, you know, flowing throughout the day, and they always connect, and they all and they're just good guys, and they we all come in, we work hard, and, and we just uh, we feed off each other, and it's, it, it was cool to see. Uh, even on the practice squad, all the practice squad guys, we feeding off each other. We, we we're hyping each other up. We, you know, we loving on each other. We, it's a real brotherhood here. And you know, it was just cool to see him be a part of this dynamic. And um, you know, Gino, he's he's been nothing but a great leader. Just from my week of sit, just seeing him and how he prepare, and then getting around DK, and then seeing how he works, and seeing how Tyler Lockett and all those guys bind to each other and like really help each other get through the week. And then when it comes to Sundays, it's just they all let it out and just have fun and just. Let the pieces fall where they fall. So it was, it was really to cool. To see. Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm finished. Oh uh, yeah, I was just gonna say, kind of going back to your college career for a second. How does a Midwest kid end up at Ole Miss? What drew you to Oxford and Ole Miss? <laughs> you freeze in that program. Yeah. So um, yeah, Coach Freeze' vision for the for the program first and foremost. Um, you know, he 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 was preaching to us a lot of, you know, we could change the program. We can be the, the class that changes the, the, the program and make the difference and uh, get other guys that want to come here and uh, make this one of the top programs in the country. And um, me coming out of Chicago, you know, I didn't know much about the SEC. You know, I, I knew from, like, watching the games growing up, you know, the big rivalry games, LSU, Alabama, and um, Florida, Florida and Florida State and all those different teams and stuff. But I never really had a chance to go down and um, – go down and actually visit the schools, you know, and then through my, throughout my recruiting process, um, I was so heavily uh, interested in Michigan. Uh, I had a teammate that was going there. He was committed and I was, I was learning the ropes of recruiting through him and just following him around and, and just going to school by school with him. And so when he, uh, he actually ended up decommitting from Michigan and ended up reopening his recruiting process and through throughout, throughout that, and throughout that process, throughout that process, um, he ended up visiting Ole Miss. And so he took an, I think he took an official there and he just, I just remember getting a text in class because I'm in class and he's like a senior. I'm in my junior year. He's like, bro, Ole Miss, you got to check it out, bro. These coaches are cool. And, and I'm like, I'm like, I don't even know what Ole Miss is. Like, that's yeah. my first initial thoughts. I'm like, nah, whatever. Like, I, I hear you. Like, it's not like I'm, I'm sold on it. And then he comes back and he's like, He's like raving about Ole Miss and the code, the recruiting staff and just how everybody's like genuine and, and, and just positive and uh, they got a vision and they're going to be the first team, one of the only few teams going spread in the SEC. So he's selling me on it too. And I'm like, for real? I'm like, oh, yeah. And I was like, he was like, yeah. And then I finally met the staff uh, on a recruiting trip. And when I went down there, when I say like I fell in love with the place, I was – it was just truly like, wow, like this is a culture shock, but it's also like something that I want to be a part of. And uh, I think the first time I went down, they were playing Texas yeah. and uh, Moncrief. And I'm sitting in the stands as a recruit and I'm watching the game. And it's a pretty close game. I mean, I think Marquis Goodwin had turned the corner, took one for like 75 on the reverse. Dante Dante Moncrief come back. He dunks on the corner in the uh, on the on the cornerback in the right end zone, and I just and I just at that moment I knew like I was coming there because I was like, dang, I can see that's me. Like I can see myself doing that. Like so, it really like it hit home for me on that on that visit. And then I called my mom and I'm telling her, and she's like, man, you're not going to the Ole Miss because <laughs> she, she had no idea. Like she was like, you're not going all the way down to Mississippi coming from Chicago and she just, she, she, she didn't want to believe it. And then I finally got her down and she was like, Oh my God, like 
I loved it. She, we both loved it. Um, and then I got put on my recruiting hat and started recruiting Robert. And well, Robert was kind of like recruiting me because he was the number one player. So I'm like, if Robert interested and he go, I'm coming. But yeah, uh, ultimately, I knew I was coming anyways. But when I was looking around, I'm like, okay, Robert number one. And then they had Tony Connor. I'm like, Oh, they got the number one safety too on the board. And then then Laramie Flip at recruiting sign today. I was like, oh, this is history. And so it was just like, it was like, it was just like a big deal for me because I'm like, man, we put on a recruiting hat. So we just tried to pull everybody in. And then um we ended up having Evan Ingram in the class, Mike Hilton. I think he was a year before us out there. He was there, Jordan Wilkins, Quincy Adeboyjo, Devonta Kincaid, and then Chad Kelly coming in. It was just like pieces falling in that made us really good. And then the brotherhood and like the foundation was already set because the top recruits was already kind of like close and didn't have really no egos or anything. It was just all out of love. So it just made, it just made the transition really easy, but it also went by so fast that, you know, I wish I would have paused a little bit and like really smelled the roses of what we had at the moment. So it was fun. That's what I was going to – you kind of beat me too, and I was going to get there next a little bit. The, you know, that you guys were probably the most impactful recruiting class in program history. I mean, from the time you guys all signed on signing day, I mean, I was in college at the time. I mean, I, people were skipping class to get in front of a television for y'all's individual announcements. It was literally really? like a holiday. It was nuts. And one of the wow. most powerful aspects of it is you guys recruiting each other, right? It kind of turns into yeah. a tidal wave. You mentioned Robert. You kind of hear that he's coming – and then Laramie flips. And, like, I think there's some real power to the fact that, you know, one go domino falls and then kind of the next one goes with it. And that can create as much momentum as anything a staff is selling, can it not? Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, player to player is always more powerful because when you, when a when a player tells you, it's kind of like that's the guy you're going to be playing with. Like, yeah, like, yeah the coaches call the players, but, like, when it comes down to battling, like, you want guys that's going to want it just as much as you want it out there and, like, that's that's what I'll say. Like once we got like we were going through these camps and stuff, and you know, as players, like we talk like, hey, where you going, bro? Like, oh, you going, you going here? Okay, I'm going here. Like, hey man, hey, we we could use you, like, you know, one of those. And and you know, that that plays a lot into it because, you know, as players, we study each other, you know, we study each other just as much as we study ourselves and our crafts and our and, and the game that we play. And if if there's a top guy who's who's you know, wanting you to come play with them, it's, it's kind of like, all right, there won't be any, like, you know, who's the biggest. On, it's more like we're in this together. Let's go win this together. Let's go play together. Let's go compete and win championships together. And, you know, that was always kind of like our message to each other. Like, man, let's go beat these top teams. Let's go beat these teams that everybody think can't be beat. And um, that was kind of like what got us all to, like, stick. You know, let's go beat the Alabamas, the LSUs, uh, the Florida Gators. You know, all these people that we looked up to growing up at, with a program that we can actually make the biggest impact on because we'll be the first to do it, or one of the first to do it in in the, in the, in the latest decade. So um, that's really what sold me. I wanted to go play these big schools and be in them big games that I used to watch playing up with a program that was on the up and coming. Yeah, and you mentioned kind of go beating those schools. I don't think any win sticks out more than the two Alabama wins, and starting with the one in 2014 – you mentioned being on a recruiting visit at Texas that year. I'm from Mississippi. I've been going to these things my whole life. I mean, you're, you've hit like two of the biggest three. There's like an LSU game in 03 that was for the West. Then it was Texas and Alabama in terms of the most people I've ever seen in that town and crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you remember about that day? Just everything leading up and throughout the game. How awesome was it to be a, a part of that? Ooh, um, man, it was, it was truly, truly a blessing, you know. Because you know what type of team you're going to play. You know what type of team you're going to face. And you know they're going to be disciplined. They're going to be fundamentally sound technique. They're going to be well coached. They'll probably be bigger, stronger, faster. You know, it's like they have all the attributes. And then they're, they're loaded with depth. And so going into the game, there wasn't a doubt in my mind that we was going to win. Um, and and that just that was just my approach on on every game that we ever played in there, there, there was no doubt that we were going to win, especially if I had a chance to be a part of the, the way we win, you know, in the game plan and, and using me in, in a way that uh, helps the team. And, um, you know, it, it started, it started way back in, 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 the, in the, in the spring, in the summer, you know, we, those, those were the talks we was having during the runs, you know, we were just motivating each other. Like you think Alabama, you know, you think they crying about how hard it is to work and, that getting up in the morning, like those are just little things that we were like 
giving ourselves like little 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 brain teasers that kept us motivated. So when the game arrived, we all knew what was at stake. We all knew, you know, what it took and what it was gonna take. And we knew we was gonna have to, and we already was believing. So it wasn't it wasn't about the belief part about it. It was just about the doing part. And I think we all fell in love with just being present and just doing it. Like it wasn't really about not believing or they're better than us or, you know, cause we felt like we matched up with everyone every year, you know, here and there, it was a couple guys, a couple balls going a different way, but every game we always felt like we were in them besides a couple. And we just credited that to just being young and not knowing any better how to, how to close games or how to stay with it. And then that second year, our sophomore year, we were just on a mission and just win. Like we, we didn't, we didn't see anything. We didn't, we didn't care about what the rankings were. We didn't, like we didn't look into a lot of things. We was just taking it a day at a time. And that moment, you know, looking back at it, it was just like all or nothing. Because, you know, we all top recruits. We know the other guys. We know the Derrick Henrys. We we knew these guys. And we we knew, you know, we knew what we were up against. But we felt like we could beat them. And uh, when we beat them the first time, it was it was it was quite, it was kind of like a like a a, a, a dream fulfilled because it wasn't too many teams beating Alabama. Yeah. Uh, and and it's still to this day, it's not a lot of teams beating Alabama. So once we beat them the first time, it gave us a, a surge of momentum. And uh, we tried to finish out the, the year and, and make it to that playoff the first year. So you guys win that game. Freeze, I think, said something in his post game or pregame speech about like be sure to get back in here when the goalposts come down, which was just almost like prophetic at that point. How did you get off the field? Like, did you soak it all in for a second? You're like, I need to get out of this crowd. Like, what was that kind of oh. like in the immediate aftermath? Oh, no doubt, I soaked it in. I wasn't in the rush to get off the field. I was, <laughs> I was, I was kind of like, wow, like this is happening. Like, just seeing all, like, it, and it happened so fast. Like, you, you win, the buzzer go off, we are all celebrating, and then you look up, and the crowd is already on the field. It's, it's already hundreds. Of, I mean, thousands and thousands of people on the field. You just kind of like. Well, that like that's just that's, this is what <laughs> that you dreamed happen. of. This is what you want a part of. Yeah, like this is what you this is what you work for. And then just looking back, I always look back on the pictures of it and it's just like like wow, we 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 made that big of an impact in the football game. Like and it, it is just a, it blows my mind to know like, you know, us just dreaming and working hard and, and staying together and believing in ourselves and believing in each other, how much of an impact we can do for so many people's lives and and when that happened, like we, our, our, like we were just trying to live that experience every time, every game we wanted to win. And it's not like anything changed, but like we just wanted to show everybody, like we continue, like we're gonna continue to win, we're gonna continue to get better. And you know that was just something that shocked you guys. Like we we wanted that, like we knew we was gonna get that. So when that happened, it was kind of like, okay, we on to the next week, let's go. But there was always scheduled. There was always there was always circled on our calendar every year. You know, as from player to player, like we knew, like we was gonna go anywhere. We had to beat Alabama because we know they they're in the West Championship and SEC Championship every year. So if we beat them, and we we got a shot to go. So and we know if we didn't, then we we didn't have a chance. So that kind of played into our mindset going into the year and yeah, uh, beating them back to back years. I think one of the most underrated, impressive things that that 2014 did team did was that Alabama game started a pretty grueling schedule through the West and y'all had to go on the road the next week and play a pretty good A&M team and y'all just kicked their ass like there was no come down there was no like if anyone ever thought it was yeah. a fluke y'all removed all doubt that night because y'all went in there and really just dismantled them in front of 112,000 people or whatever it is and that's that's kind of was like okay these dudes are good but what was interesting about that year is the West was – look, the SEC West is the toughest division in college football. But I don't know of a year where one through five or six or even all seven, it was, it was, it it was, was that tough. It, I mean, it's week it after tough. week after week. Like, yeah. I know that probably helps y'all get up every week and get up for every game. But, like, how tough is it to play a top 15 opponent like that basically like four or five weeks in a row? Oh, it's tough. And, and that's why I mentioned Alabama with their depth. Like, that's yeah. why that's why I mentioned it because we knew, like, you know, we didn't have a lot of depth. Like we we had like a couple great we had great players in our first twenty-two. And then we had we had good players in our next, but we wasn't they wasn't on the field as much as you know they should have been if we were gonna go all the way. Right. And it's not a knock against the coaches. It was just like our first twenty-two was so good that we can play week in and week out. And so you see the injury to me, you see the injury to Laramie, 
and 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 the zero, it kind of like like knocked the team off. Like it just kind of set us back, and it was devastating, obviously. But you know, when you have depth though, and, and that front, and like they have they, like for us, those those top teams, like we get up for them. But it's hard because when you when you when you riding on certain guys every week every week and and uh, you know an injury away from you know a different season, you know the first injury was to Denzel I think and it, yeah. it kind of like derailed the kind of linebacker we had we were still making plays we were still doing what we need to do and it, it wasn't hard for us to go play because we we were playing for each other so we knew we could win and we knew it didn't matter who we played like we were going to win the game. And we just had that confidence and belief. And it just came from just hanging out with each other and just knowing, like, man, we just beat Alabama. So anybody else, they got to just come on with it. And we knew we knew what we were capable of. And then as the injury started appearing, it kind of, like, derailed our season. And it kind of, you know, put a sting in our, in our mouth to come back our, our junior year and, like, finish better. And a lot of the seniors left. But we ended up picking up a lot of great guys. You know, Chad coming in. And then – uh Everyone else playing up to their potential and everyone else, like, getting better every year. You know, it just helped us. But those first – when you're playing in the West, the biggest thing is just, you know, they're having the same mindset every week. You know, that's that's the biggest thing. If you're if you, if you, if you player to player have the same mindset and then the coaches know how to, you know, channel you guys to the right direction, I mean, anything is possible coming out the West because you come out the West, it's one of the hardest conferences in, 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 in the NCAA. No doubt. And you mentioned the injury aspect of it is yours happens a couple weeks later against Auburn. And I don't know if I've ever seen a, a stadium kind of fall as silent at that moment in the game as when that happens. And just from your vantage point, there was so much going on at one time. And I think by the time they showed the first replay, I think everyone in the crowd like, had a sense of how severe it was. Just from your vantage point, what do you remember about that play? Did you know it was a pretty severe injury immediately? It looked like you were in a decent bit of pain. Just what was that moment like for you and kind of how it happened carrying the football? Yeah, um, I just remember getting the ball, making a couple moves, you know, doing my usual. We we got them boys. Like, you know, this is, this is the game winning play right here because I think it was like a minute 20 on the clock or something like that, some low amount of time. And this is basically like the game winning drive, and I get it, break a couple tackles. And as I'm going into the end zone, I fumble the ball. And I just remember, like, all I can remember is, like, blacking out, like, when I, when I hit the ground, blacking out. And then, like, I knew I fumbled, but I thought I got across the end zone. Yeah. And so I didn't see uh, the guy, Chris Frost, at the time uh, running behind me, like, up on me. So when I was trying to cross the end zone, he grabbed me. And I just, I just felt it. Like I felt like an awkward position. So when in that awkward position, I was really trying to save my legs. So I kind of let go of the ball and it flew out. And I just remember guys diving on the ball. That's all I remember. Like, cause I knew I was hurt and I was just trying to get out the way. And uh, so I crawled out the way. And um, I just remember awkward, like it was super quiet, super quiet stadium. Like I can hear like the footsteps of the stadium and everything. And um under the stadium is where they like took me out there, carted me off, and I could just hear everybody like just leaving and band playing. And so, um, but I was at peace though. I was just for some reason I just knew I would be better. Like I knew I would be better from it. I was just like my family came down and was worried, and I was just like, you know, I'm fine. You know, I'll I'll, I'll get through this. And you know, I've I've been through a lot in my life, and I knew I would get through it. I ended up getting through it, coming back, playing better the following year. Um, and it was just it was just kind of a moment in my career where it taught me now looking back on it, it taught me so much about treatment. It taught me so much about body work. It taught me so much about uh, awareness and it taught me so much about being conscious with, you know, how you take care of your body and everything. So like that injury has has helped me prolong my career to this day. And, uh, you know, so it wasn't just a negative. It kind of shaped my whole mindset on taking care of your body and just doing the right things, putting the right fuel, food in your body and everything, and just not being, you know, an athlete that just do hot and cold tub and think that's enough, you know. So um, it's definitely helped me be more in tune with what I, what I, who I am today. So I, this might be a silly question, but, like, you get carted off, I think, if I remember correctly, but I don't remember when yeah. that happens. When did you figure out you didn't score? Did you know before you left the field, or did someone have to tell you? I'm sure you're – I mean, it's a freak thing. Like, it's right by the goal line. You get your legs taken out from you. But I'm just curious, like, when you found out that it was a fumble. 
Yeah, that's an interesting question because when I when I think about it, I don't know if I if I was on the cart and I heard it as I was leaving, or I heard it under the bleachers when I was inside the of the medical room. So okay. it was it was kind of really it was could have been either one, but I know it came over the announcement because it was such a big moment in the game. And um, I'm not sure. I think I was on the cart, but um, that's actually a good question. I don't, I don't know the answer to that one. The, uh, you mentioned the the aspect of learning from all of this, and I think that's a very mature approach to take to it. And I think one of the things, what I found from talking to enough athletes that have had injuries like that, what people don't realize is it's not just like the physical pain of the injury, it's the mental aspect of it, right? You're out of the spotlight. Not only that, you're having to go through treatment, and a lot of times it's the same thing every day with kind of no light mm. at the end of the tunnel. It gets really monotonous, and it can wear on guys mentally – and it takes a yeah. lot of like mental strength more so than anything beyond like the pain that comes with physical therapy and all that. Just like yeah. your experience, how tough was it to just go through treatment and do the same thing every day, you know, just trying to work back to something that seems like it's so far away. Um, for me, it wasn't that, it wasn't that tough. I mean, uh, the hardest thing about it was just being like being okay with like, because you, like you say, you see your brother out there, they're playing and you just wishing like, man, just make that play like, or. I could have, I would have made that. Come on, man! Like, and you, and you know, you want to be there, and you want to, you want to compete. And like, as an ultimate competitor, like that's the biggest thing. Like, you want to compete in everything. You want to compete in every situation. So when I got, when I, when it came to recovery, that was just another reason for me to compete. You know, I'm sleeping in the facility because I want to compete. Like, I want to let guys know, like, I'm still beating you in here, and I, ain't, I'm not even healthy. Like, and it, it wasn't nothing against my teammates. It was more about my mental, mental makeup of like just wanting to compete and be the best version of myself and continue to push myself and know that I will overcome this and I'm not going to let this injury define who I am or what my career is going to be. And um, that's just been my makeup my whole life. And I've always overcame the difficult situations. Maybe I put myself in difficult situations or maybe um, life just handed me difficult situations. And I've always tried to find a way to figure it out and I've always had the belief that I would figure it out so um that was just another challenge for me to just overcome and just uh you know look past and, and try to uh prove to myself that I, I'm capable of doing it that you mentioned that 2014 year against Alabama you guys like believed and knew you were going to win that 15 year did y'all know you y'all are gonna kick their ass because like that was the stra growing up watching the whole Miss thing that was the strangest feeling ever walking into Bryant Denny kind of knowing like these guys are about to put the beat down on them what was the like was there any different mentality that second year with you guys having already done it once well for me I had a different mentality because I was coming off an injury and I had right. and I hadn't scored yet so like Going to Alabama, that was my first touchdown of the season, uh, that game versus Alabama. But I had not scored yet, so I was still, like, you know, not questioning myself, but I was like, man, I got to, you know, I got to do something. Like, I got to yeah. be me, get back to you, you know. Like, I was making plays, but I wasn't I wasn't fully – like, I felt like I wasn't fully myself. And then I scored against Alabama, and then uh, it kind of, like, just shook the jitters off. Like, yeah, like – we got a chance, but I figure we—I mean, we—we we all knew we had—we it, it was possible. Like that's—it took away that it's not possible in our mind the first win versus them, and uh, you know we knew we were going to win again, but we just knew it was going to be another game, and it, and it shaped out to be another one of those games where like every play mattered, and that's just what you're going to get with Alabama. You got to know like every play matters, and then every play doesn't matter in a sense because it's a four quarter game, so it's like. They might make a big play, and then you might come back and get a turnover on downs. But that doesn't define, like, how the game is going to shape out because they're Alabama. And you expect them to make great plays. But you got to also expect yourself to make great plays. And I think that's what we had inside of our team, like, the, the ultimate belief of, like, yeah, they're going to make great plays, but we're also going to make great plays. And so however it shapes out, like, we're coming out on top. And so when it came down to it, we'd always look at it like, if we're in the game in the fourth, like, we win it. Because – you know, you Alabama is known for, you know, beating guys and, and rolling them and, and, you know, just overpowering teams. And, and we knew if we were in the game in the fourth, we were going to win just because we wanted it more. And, and that's just what our team was made of. Like, we wanted it more and we were going to do whatever we could to get the victory. And we had guys that exemplified that week in and week out. So it wasn't hard for us to go in and go compete against the best of the best and say, you know, we're better. We're, we're just as good or if not better in this week on this week in particular.
What's the sideline like on the Quincy touchdown? Is it like, damn, this is just our night? What do you remember about that play? Man, I just remember it. I honestly, I, I to think about it, I didn't know what Chad was doing. Like, at the moment, <laughs> I'm like, yo, what is he doing? Like, you know, because he's, he's ball high, he's scrambling, and he just chucks it up. I'm like, me being me, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get that. Like, you know, yeah. ain't no question about it. Like, I'm going to get that. And so I'm running to the ball, and I go up, and I'm thinking I'm coming down with it, and the, and the defender pops it up. And all I see is the ball floating in the air, and I just see Quincy speed off. And I'm just like, man, he's fast. <laughs> like, and I just was like, I was so happy because it was such a, it was just such a, a awkward play, but it worked out for us. And you need some of those, you know, you need some yeah. of those plays to bounce your way. Like, and and that's when you know, like, all right, this this game is gonna be a good game because if you, a lot of a lot of teams, those balls go the other way. And so in those in those instances, when they were going our way, we were just like, it's going to be a good game. We got a chance to win this. And so once we figured out, once we go into halftime, we come back out. You know, we always just tell, tell ourselves we took their best shot. Like, you know, they gave us their best shot. Like, every team want to jump out. If you, you think you're good, you want to jump out on teams and kind of send a message early. But if you can't jump out on them, we always feel like if we come out second half and we do what we got to do, we're going to win the game. And, and it was all on us. It wasn't about what nobody else was doing. You know, we always respected every opponent, but we always believed, like, we had the better players and, you know, we had the better team and the better bond and the better, you know, relationships within the team. So, and that's what always played into us coming out and winning those games that was, you know, seemed like we couldn't win or we shouldn't win. You get drafted, uh, I believe it's in Chicago that year. That's something you've been yeah. working to or since you're a kid. Just how would you describe what draft night is like? Like, is that where does that rank in terms of the greatest nights of your life? Like, it just feels like maybe an exhale a little bit that all this has finally paid off. What do you remember about being drafted? Uh, it was definitely one of the best nights of my life. Probably the top five for sure, top three, um, outside of my kids being born and um, meeting my wife, but um, marrying my wife, I'll say. But um, that draft night was. Uh, it was electric because it wasn't a home city. Um, it was so much going on. I mean, you seeing all the top guys that you, you know, you grow with, you going to camp with, and then now we're all at the drive night, you know, but everybody's, you know, in their own space and, you know, and enjoying their own dream of the drive night, you know. And for me, it was it was really, it was really cool because um, I had my daughter with me. My whole family was there. My grandmother was there. Rest in peace, my grandma. Uh, she was there. Uh, my mom, everyone was there. And, uh, I had my daughter with me and she came across stage with me, but, you know, I didn't know how much of a significance that was going to be in other people's lives. Cause there's so many guys that I've met in the league that was like, man, like you inspired me to keep going. Like you made me want to bring my daughter across stage, different things like that. But um, in that moment, it was such a big moment for me. Cause I was like, I was in Chicago. Like I would have never thought my drive would be back at home, like right where it started. And, you know, all, it, it, for, for me, it, it was always a dream, but then it was reality. And it was like, I teared up and I was kind of like emotional because it was like, it was real. And then I always told myself that I was going to do it for my daughter, like, because I was so far away from her being at Ole Miss. And, you know, I had my mind made up that I was going to make it to the NFL, and take care of my family and do the things that I want to do. And, you know, that was part of my decision making is to go to Ole Miss to like get far away so I can really lock in and make it happen for them. So when I do come back, it's just it's just it's a moment of uh, uh, of, of love, a moment of uh, celebration. And then it ended up being in Chicago. So it was like it was just kind of like a storybook ending for that that phase of my life. And um, it was really cool. It was like it's just cool, man. Just walk across the stage, hearing your name called, hugging the commissioner, you know, waving to the fans. Uh, kind of went by fast. I wish I would have game plan what I actually was going to do. I just kind of, I kind of went with raw emotions, and it was, it was fun though, man. It was, it was cool. I didn't, I didn't game plan at all. It was just truly instinctual. You know, uh, I felt the crowd and seeing the lights. Felt like I was a, uh, a Hollywood celebrity at the time, <laughs> but it was cool. It was really cool. How different is the NFL than college? Like, I know there's a million different ways you could go at that question, but like, what do you find? Like, what? How much of a learning curve was it that rookie year? Just how different is the NFL when it's your job? Um, it's just the business side of it is really different. You know, the football is really the same. Um, outside of like the different routes you run and everything, but it's just everything is more business oriented, and um, so it, it makes it 
a little tougher to build relationships with teammates because there's so much business involved. But, you know, you'll find genuine guys throughout the locker room that, you know, truly just want to be cool with you and just, you know, get to know you and tell you how much of a fan they were to you or you saying the same thing to them, you know, it's just kind of like a, a big melting pot of all the guys that you looked up to and <laughs> played against. And you kind of uh, got to kind of put the, the personal side away a little bit and kind of like, you know, look at it from a business standpoint and, and, and try to um, build great relationships with, with people without actually having that emotional attachment to it. So I think that's the biggest difference for me. Um, college, you know, it's really brother, brotherhood. Like, you know, there's a few teams that probably really close in the league or it may not be, you know, it just depends on what team you follow. On. Like a lot of guys may look at it as, Hey man, we're here to win. I'm not here to be a friend. Like, come on, let's win. I'm here to take care of my family. And then there's a side of it where it's like some guys bring you in, help you out. And um, so it just depends on what team you follow on. Every team is uniquely different. I've been on a lot of teams. Every team bring a different aspect to to the to the to the NFL in a sense of uh, how they go about business and how they uh, approach you and how they treat you as a player. And some just want you there to win games and, and you learn how to take be a pro and take care of yourself. Other teams help you. So uh, for me, uh, the biggest difference is just learning how to separate the two uh, from business and personal because it, it's not personal. It's, it's truly a business. And, you know, they pay you based off your production and, and not based off whether they like it or not as a person. And, you know, so uh, that's one thing I had to learn throughout my career. And, you know, I've learned that and kind of picked up on that and kind of accepted that for what it is. And it, it's, it's helped me play better. It's helped me not take the decisions that's made on my career personal and and it also helped me keep my belief in myself because it's not about my actual play that these decisions are being made. It's a lot of money involved and a lot of different variables that, that go into why, you know, certain guys don't guys play and why certain guys get the ball. And so you just got to be okay with that and, and understand it's a process and trust it and, and just keep your belief in yourself and, you know, stay with your family, stay around those that love you and, and, and you know, keep God first and, you know, I, believe, I truly believe everything will work itself out. Did you? The age range in the NFL is wild to me. I imagine some of the people you're playing with and against you watched growing up. Did you ever have that moment where you're like, damn, I'm on the field playing this guy? Like, was there ever that moment <laughs> for you at all? Was there one that stood out? Uh, definitely. Uh, most definitely. Patrick Peterson was one of the guys for yeah. sure. Uh, we played him, I think, preseason, my rookie year. And, uh, and another guy was Adrian Peterson when he showed up to camp. I was just like, wow, that's Adrian. Like, that's Adrian Peterson. Like, <laughs> And it was just like, you know, all the memories is, is just come back. Are you out watching these guys? Tyran Matthew was another guy. I was just big on, like, the big Alabama versus LSU. So any of those guys that I ran into, like, my first couple of years, it was kind of like, man, that's like that Pat P. That's, that's Tyran. Like, those are the guys I kind of watched growing up. And, like, that's the way they paid. They played against each other. I mean, with each other. And, Against Alabama, then um, who else was another guy? Larry Fitz. Yeah. I mean, like seeing Larry for the first time. And then, you know, then every other guy that you know, like big time guy, like when they, when you, like for me, when I was, when I was going through my early on years, like I would love to study those guys, get to know how they, what they're doing, what made them great. And it was just like, you know, just how they went about the game, how they approached the game the attention to detail like it was just cool to see you know the levels and, and the different different ways that you can get better and learn from these guys so it was cool my first couple of years as we kind of wrap up here one of the things i wanted to ask you is you know you mentioned the business side and things can change really quickly and i know after you go from minnesota like you eventually end up in jacksonville and you kind of found a rhythm even though it wasn't the most ideal like situation from the team standpoint it had to be a little like surprising that you know you end up somewhere else how do you like you feel like you have a lot left to offer how do you kind of stay positive through some of the tougher breaks some of which i imagine are out of your control how do you handle that man i know what i do every day so when well, you know what you do every day is i could care less what other people talk about because the guys who see me when I go to these teams and they got to guard me and they got to I got line up across from me, it ain't too much they can say because they they see it themselves, you know. So the narrative can be the narrative, like like Gino say, he ain't right back because he know what he do every day, and that's the thing in this league. Like when you when you when you're at practice, you know, if you put in the work, you are gonna get the respect from the guys who you're going against, and so 
for me, I always get respect from guys I go against because I put in the work and I don't be like nothing has changed about my approach towards the game or my belief in my my skills and my ability. And like I say, a coach may decide based off what's comfortable for him and his team, not based off how good you are. And like I, that's what I had to realize is like they, they're not making decisions based off if I'm good enough. You know, it's more about what's best for the team, what what fits this system, what fits this mode, what fits what we're trying to do. And uh, you know, me leaving these teams, like I don't say much. I'm not a I'm not a talk about it on Twitter type of guy. I just trying to take my loss for what it is and just keep moving. And I think that's truly why I keep getting opportunities because I don't I don't speak badly on no organization because it's not personal to me. You know, I I know what I could do. I know what I do every day. I know when I show up and I'm going against the top guys, I, it's, it's, I'm making plays. So, it's, like, it's, it's not that somebody else is doing it more than me or they're just getting the opportunity to do it. And that's what it truly boils down to. You know, I was making plays all in Jacksonville, all camp, all all season. I didn't get those opportunities, but when I did, it, it came out to what it was going to be. And so that's where I I found my peace, and that's why – it clicked so easy for me in Jacksonville because I was already doing it. Nobody was surprised that it happened in the game. It was honestly waiting and trying to figure out when it's going to happen. You know, so for me, I just been been humble, kept my mouth closed, and you know, I I try not to like rock the boat in the sense of certain things because I know like what's for me is for me, and what's for another guy is for him. So if it's for me, it's going to work out for me. And at the same time, uh, I just continue to work hard, continue to try to put myself in the best situation to win and uh, continue to prepare the right way. And um, I always tell myself, if they thought I was good coming out of college, I'm way better than it now, like mentally, physically, and spiritually, so, and faster. So it's like, if you thought I was good in college, like I'm way better now. So it's just like for me and my route running. So it's like, for me, it's just like the right team will give me an opportunity. They'll value when they see me come in the building, how I approach the game, how I go about the game, how I wake up getting the building at five in the morning, you know, helping other guys get in the building at five in the morning. Like these are things that I've done for other people that's playing. Like, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, it, that's not going to be in the paper because it's not what they, they want to talk about. They want to yeah. talk about who's playing on Sunday, who's hot right now, who's got a hundred yards every game. Like I'm not getting a hundred yards every game. So they're not going to talk to me about my 5 a.m in the building, watching film, last one in, first one in, you know, doing all these different things that make guys great and give guys. But when that opportunity do come, I'm going to excel because I've been putting in the work in the dark. So when the light is shining on me, it's, oh, he found a good spot. Oh, he's in rhythm. Oh, he's – and it's just because I've been doing the work. And, like, I, I continue to do the work. And I still think I got a lot of years of me. Because I haven't been hit. I haven't been hit by every year 100 catches. I just got sharper, mentally better, physically, more in shape, stronger, faster, smarter, more aware of my body, know how to take care of my body. So when the opportunity comes, I'll be an asset to the team. I'll be a resource. I can help younger guys. So it's like a lot of things that I've learned about myself that, you know, can help a lot of teams. But you know what I'm saying? I don't, you know, I don't boast on that because it's it's just who I am. I was like that at Ole Miss. It's just I've developed to be a man, and now I understand that I do have natural leadership qualities in myself that I've always had, but I was kind of like didn't know how to use them. But now it's like I'm comfortable with being myself and also like putting myself first and still helping guys be the best version of them in whatever way I can. So I think that's that plays a huge part in it. And um, so when I look at, when I go to the field, I'm, I'm at peace, man. I have fun with the game still. If I wasn't having fun, I wouldn't even be doing it no more. If I wasn't, if I didn't believe in myself, I wouldn't be doing it. If I still think I couldn't play at a high level, I wouldn't be doing this. So um, that's, that's one thing about me. Like it, my hunger, my, 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 my mindset never changed. That's a, I uh... work out. Yeah, go ahead. Three Sorry. times a day in the yeah. So it's just like I work out three times in the off, three days, three times a day in the off season. Like I know guys not doing that, and I'm doing that because I'm I'm trying to be the best version of myself. It's not even about 
proving it to anybody else. It's just kind of what my life has led me to do. So that was a uh, terrific answer. And like, well said, I, I don't want to keep you too long. Last thing I really have for you. How, how, I know you're kind of busy with the old NFL thing. You probably don't get to watch a ton of college football, but like, how cool has it been to kind of see Kiffin and the program kind of get back to where you guys had it? How closely do you keep up? Oh yeah. I've been watching that. I, I think they're actually uh, a more explosive offense. Wow. Uh, with Kiffin. It's kind of crazy to say that, but yeah. I just say that due to the fact that like their running game is like elite right now. Like the receiver, I don't think the receiver, I, I'm not going to say I don't think the receivers, but I've never had a 200 yard game. <laughs> so yeah. like for uh, Jonathan, it's Jonathan Mingo, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. For him to have a 20 yard game, like that's, that's elite stuff. Like I, that's, that's stuff I was, I'm like, how do they even be doing that? Like, you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> but hey man, so I just, I, I keep up all the time. You know, um, at the time I was in New England, uh, we was going to have a bye week and I was going to be able to go to the uh, Alabama game. So I had that on my schedule, but then I, I was le- I left there and I ended up, I ended up going to Arizona and I left there and now I'm in Seattle, which is a great fit for me, man. I, I love it here. It's, it's really fun playing for Pete Carroll and, and just learning from Sanjay still. So, um, I watch a lot of college football. I watch all football, you know, bouncing around from team to team, practice squad, not traveling on Sundays. I get a chance to really watch all the games and just like evaluate, do my own evaluation of players. It's kind of funny. <laughs> like I'm just watching players and just like, oh, that's a great route, you know. Oh, you got to do this on that. So I'll be able to learn. You know, I've learned through all these experiences. I've been aware. I watch film every iPad I get. I'm, I'm in the film. I'm watching y'all just learning from other guys around the league. And then uh, my brother's in college, so I'll be watching Liberty. I'll be watching Ole Miss due to the ties with there. And then Hugh Freed being a Liberty. Um, it's just – it's fun, man. College football is exciting. It's in a good space right now. A lot of great players. and um, Just watching them excel at Liberty – I mean, at Ole Miss and, and, and put up a lot of points and, you know, beating a lot of top teams, you know, they, they got the ball rolling. And it's good to see that, you know – they have some consistency with the coaches, so uh, they'll always get the players to come in and, and keep keep making plays and, and keep getting the recruits. And hopefully this year, man, we can get in that dance. Oh so yeah, we can watch them. So we can watch them uh, in the playoffs. No doubt, Laquan. I really appreciate the time, man. This is terrific stuff. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to do this. Best of luck to you. I know a whole bunch of people are rooting for you. Man, thank you, man. Howdy, toddy. Appreciate you, man. And uh. Good luck to the Rebels this week. Get the W. (laughs) Appreciate Laquan's time. As always, I thought that was an awesome interview. At least I enjoyed talking to him. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it as well. That's going to do it for our show today. We'll be back tomorrow with uh, Nick Broker check-in as well as LB's, Greg's, and the picks. A little off schedule this week, but been working on uh, some other projects. I've got a story up on the uh, rebelgrove.com site on Quinshawn Judkins, um, as well as one that hits a little closer to home. Uh, A story on... Thomas Mayo uh, was a 21-year-old student here at Ole Miss last year who died of an accidental uh, fentanyl overdose. Um, he and uh, his older brother and I were pretty close friends, really close friends, I'd say. And uh, we just read a story. Uh, you know, They reached out to me and wanted to do it, kind of shares Thomas's story and uh, warn about the dangers of drugs because you really just don't know what you're getting these days as the fentanyl crisis continues to surge. So uh, a little tougher one to get through, but uh, – you know, I was happy to help them out, and uh, they're doing a lot of things to make a really cool difference and make sure it doesn't happen to other kids despite it happening to their son. So check that out if you wish. Um, I really appreciate it. Y'all have a great rest of your day, and we'll be back tomorrow.